Speaking the truth to the state capitol, this is Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, July 27th, it's uh, whatever Wednesday, 91 and sunny out there today, which is nice. It's a nice 91, I think, today. Uh, I am Jack Riggins, host of Drive Time Lincoln. Johnny Cadillac is producing the show. It is a whatever Wednesday, which means we want to hear from you. We want Lincoln, Lancaster County, anybody. If you're over in Ukraine, give us a call. If you're listening on the KLIN 1400 app, uh, the Rick Stein Recognition Hotline 402-479-1400 is open, as well as the text line. And, of course, on the text line... uh, (laughs) Scott's already, by far, the Drive Time Lincoln number one texter, Scott, uh, has asked, and I don't know if he was asking Johnny, uh, but he might have been asking me. He said, how close have you come to hitting a hole-in-one? I've never talked about golf on the air, so I'm assuming that's a question for you. Right, so so me, everybody I think knows I'm a golf nut. Um, To answer your question, Scott, I have had six hole-in-ones in my lifetime, and I have had more hole-outs for, like, Eagle that um, I, I'm sure over 10 uh, because it's it's significantly higher than my hole-in-one count. Um, and so very fortunate with that. Actually, uh, I play out at Firethorn here in Lincoln, and I have had a hole-in-one on 13 two consecutive years in a row, so I'm very proud of that. I have had zero holes in one. Yeah, uh, unless you count mini golf, which I've had a hole in one a number of times. But well, I don't there you think... go, mini golf, putt putt golf. You're talking about yep, Johnny? Absolutely. Yeah, us real golfers call that putt putt oh, golf, well, not mini golf. M- myself, the <laughs> fake golfer, will still say mini golf. You're not a fake golfer. Um, so yeah, I've had six, and uh, they're cool events. Now, having said that, believe it or not, Scott, you'll enjoy this. I um, played golf the other day with uh, former Husker kicker Brett Maher. Um, I want to say Brett's been in the NFL kicking eh, nine, ten years, um, and he still stays in shape. And you know he's still continuing to uh, you know get called up to the NFL. We'll see this year, but um, he has moved his family back to Lincoln, and I don't think uh, as a public figure he'd mind me saying this, but we were playing. And on number four, I think it was Sunday, he hit a wedge. It was the most beautiful high wedge, something I cannot do. And he spun it back into the hole, and it was his first ever hole-in-one. So we had a huge, crazy celebration, and um, I thought that that was so cool. It's anytime anybody gets one and you're around it, it it's cool. So... Uh, we had guys from other groups coming over and, and asking. Of course, they just want to know because it's traditionally uh, you buy drinks for the whole club, if you will. Uh, but most guys uh, just run out of there. But uh, congrats to Brett Maher. Uh, not only a great kicking career, um, but his first hole-in-one out there. And just because we're on golf, didn't intend to go there. But, hey, it is whatever Wednesday here on Drive Time Lincoln. Uh, the Nebraska... Amateur championship is going on at Firethorn right now, which would be the best male players in our state. Uh, yours truly is not one of them. But uh, Mr. Sean Campbell is leading at six under through three rounds of play. That's a heck of a great score out there at Firethorn. Um, 
there's only four other gentlemen at even par, and then everybody else is over par after three rounds. Um, Firethorn is a really tough course, folks, and the best players in the state are finding that out. And I get to get beat up by it pretty regularly. All right, well, let's uh, let's go with this call on the uh, Rick Stein Recognition hotline, uh, eh, hotline. Kenny, welcome to Drive Time Lincoln. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Well, we're doing well. What do you got for us here today? My brother has had seven hole-in-ones. That's awesome. So is his wife. (laughs) Really? They've got 14 in the family? 14 in the family. Well, here's a question. Who's the actual better player, the wife or your brother? I think the brother. He's he's, uh, won the senior here in Nebraska couple of times or oh no congrats to him i mean that's a big event if you're a golfer and you um whether it be the state amateur or the state seniors or even local city tournament you know if you can win one of those that that's a big deal to us golfers so that's really cool kenny yeah pretty neat his name's roger he uh lived in omaha they just moved to arizona where they live in a golf course down there so well, that's, you know, it sounds like they have earned it, and uh, the fact that she's a golfer, too, they will be able to, you know, play year-round, and uh, that yeah. sounds like a pretty good, I'm guessing he's retired, a good retirement. My only uh, close was uh, the ball went around the cup one and a half times and popped out about an inch. Oh, oh well, I mean, you got to keep playing, and you never know when you get one, and yeah, but... <laughs> uh, they're just so hey, fun. Buddy. But appreciate the call. All right, thanks, Kenny. Yeah, you just never know what we're going to get on Drive Time, Lincoln. Um, Well, let's go right away because Brian tends to have a lot of facts for us and things, and let's see what Brian's got today. Welcome back to Drive Time, Lincoln, Brian. Well, good afternoon, Commander Jack. Well, I heard that my call was a bad call. And I must agree, it was a very bad call. Did I say it was a bad call? You remind me of what we were talking about last week. No, caller called in and said... Oh, well, you know, the callers, everybody has opinions. But I agree, because it was a bad call before I even started, because I had way too many statistics to possibly get to in a call. (laughs) Okay. Then then when I was on hold, you told John, you you are wrong, you are so wrong, because everybody knows, and it has been shown. And even though gun control isn't something I care a whole lot about, I felt triggered. Fair. And so, and so I said, John Lott lies. And then you asked, are you saying conservatives lie, which is kind of a setup for a punchline. <laughs> and so I gave a insult comic line that I often use, a variation on it. The actual line I use is, well, if you got a lie to sell what you're selling, then what you're selling must be garbage. But <laughs> But uh, it kind of went down from hill from there. We were talking over each other, interrupting each other, not really listening to each other, not really having a conversation. Each trying to do their own manifesto. There so, you yeah, go. Bad, bad well, call. Well, bad what call. do you got today? Oh, well, really could go on about anything. But I suppose on the whole gun control thing, I did a little research after the call ended, and I looked up... Uh, Murderers by state and gun ownership by state. So I'll just give that for people to look up if they want to look okay. up on their own. And uh, you know, I suppose you, you know there there are exceptions, but generally you find that uh, 
Yeah. And I also did the same thing when you've been talking about crime for, you know, the different states and their levels of violent crime and murders. And well, anyway, too much statistics also for the state of Nebraska. How uh, well. And, and the thing on guns is, you know, if it really is that uh, more guns mean less crime, then well, what kind of a monster would you be for wanting there to be less uh, guns? So, yeah, it's a question that matters. And I suppose on the economy, I was going to try to make the case that progressive economics gives better results than, uh, you know, conservative movement economics. I'm not trying to make the case on what is fair, but on what is more profitable for everyone and increases the wealth of the nation. But I suppose there's just a couple of things I'd have people look up, and that would be uh, the words economy, Republicans versus Democrats, and deficit, deficits, Republicans versus Democrats. And to not be too arrogant, but I, I would say uh, that I, I, I know I have a lot of good reasons to be humble. You know, one of them is that I didn't know just until this year that you spell a verses with a U and not with an E like if it's, you know, lines in a song. And so I'll just leave it at that and uh, maybe call on about the economy another time because it's really something I care a whole lot more about than gun control. Than gun control. All right. Okay. Yeah. And call back when you uh, you've kind of got. What what you want to get out there? Love to talk about it, and I do well, always I appreciate your calls. I, could, I got hours of stuff I could say, but you know, that's <laughs> enough. Well, there you go. We got to spread it out over time. Thanks for the call, Brian. Sure, bye. It's interesting, um, probably Brian more than any other callers, but also uh, me trying to dig down in my own beliefs and thoughts. I have pulled up, and I would say the data is not very good. And what happened? Uh, and I am talking guns and crime uh there was a guy on capitol hill i mean he looked like a very squared away guy i would say former military i didn't know who he was but he was making the point you know that an ar platform is single action meaning not single action but meaning you pull the trigger one bullet goes down and he showed a pistol you know a glock one squeeze of the trigger one bullet and then he showed a sig or another classic brand you know and so he was saying, functionality, these are all the same thing. I, I mean, if you're a gun owner person, you, you totally, that makes sense, right? And it, it's counter to when you hear politicians talking about assault rifle, uh, which AR doesn't stand for. And it's almost silly, but it's a political term. Um, then, you know, military grade weapons, again, his argument was, no, the military grade ARs, if you will, you know, have a selector switch, which most p- people would call the safety that, you know, gives you single shot, three round burst, automatic. Um, those are not sold in America legally. But anyway, and to Brian's point, so I tried, because I've been on this, how many crimes slash homicides are committed by illegal weapons right versus legally purchased firearms so i'm trying to for myself and the audience you know let's try to figure that out and it's actually kind of hard to figure out um over the years and and once again because in our system we have broad terms um when we say illegally obtained or purchased well i mean that can mean somebody who is a 
certified gun seller, weapon seller, sells it to me illegally. It can mean I stole it. It can mean I was it was gifted to me illegally. So there's a lot of things there. But I'm just trying to find the root, right, which is to say, in my belief and 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 what I look at data wise, legal purchase of firearms is not the problem with gun violence in America. Right. And then the argument that both sides of the political aisle has, which is no, you know, I believe and say and shows and look at stats that say, no, when there's legal purchase firearms in area, it, it doesn't at all lead to higher crime with weaponry. Um, as a matter of fact, it's deterred. But then there's other stats you can look at. So just the the quick search this afternoon, and I think it's an important argument to talk about, you know, and I would be curious here in Lincoln, since I talk about shootings going up, now not necessarily homicides, as a matter of fact, uh, we got a good report, so did Omaha, on homicides being down, and that's a good thing. But of the shootings, you know, that we do uh, get the criminal, um, how many of those are illegally? And I don't have that data right now. But there is some interesting data out there. 96% of public mass shootings between 1998 and 2015, right, the guns were illegal. 96%, right? So why do I bring that up? And that's that's just one stat, right? But you look at some other things, and... What starts to become a trend as you look at data through the years that's published is through the myriad of how someone got the weapon, upwards of 80% of these are illegal firearms. And so my point is, in those broad terms, targeting by policy legal gun ownership or you know if you were to say hey everybody can only have one <laughs> that isn't attacking the right problem and and at least right now that's where i'm at it it's not attacking the right problem set as a society when we talk about gun violence um and i think that that's important to understand some people inherently get that and other people um, who maybe aren't into guns or have a different political belief, you know, look at it and say, well, you know, if we just get rid of guns, everything will be okay. Well, literally, the stats don't say that. You know, you're not going to get rid of guns, period, end of story, on this planet. People will acquire them one way or the other, right? So, but yeah, I, I'm going to keep digging on that because I, I think it's an interesting stat, like, of violent crimes, how many, you know, specifically here in Lincoln, I I would be very curious. And I think that we would find that it's at a very high rate of people that are willing to commit a crime with a gun and the fact that that gun has been acquired illegally in some shape or form. Johnny, welcome to Drive Time Lincoln. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I got about one minute, Johnny. Okay. All right. Yeah. So gun control, more guns equals more crime. I don't care what anybody says, <laughs> but look, 
If you look at other countries... But, Johnny, the stats don't say that. uh, Not legal purchased firearms. I don't know where you're getting the stats, but it just seems to me... Oh, you're talking legal purchase. Okay. Well, well, I I don't know. It still doesn't seem right because, you know, I can legally purchase fireworks, you know, and then, you know, everybody can on the 4th of July, and then you see injuries and fires go up. I simply just... I just... I think it's too simple. I mean, but that's not even a good argument, Johnny. Johnny, if you purchase a weapon a that you argument. know can kill somebody, that doesn't mean that you purchase a weapon and you're like, oh, I'm going to go out and shoot somebody. If you purchase a firework, your intent is to shoot the firework because many people do it for fun, entertainment, and right. yes, a fire you, happens. I got, a, I got a question for you. Do guns accidentally go off? Do guns accidentally go off? Not by themselves, yeah. they don't. Okay. A human about, being about, causes it. There's accidental discharges. Human beings do make mistakes and okay. cause weapons to go okay. off. Okay. All right. So I, I, I was going to ask about a squib round, but uh, I know I'm running out of time here, though. Uh, so the other thing, I guess, is, you know, uh, you know, semi-automatic weapons. I mean, a lot of these shooters, they have purchased their, their – these mass shooters have purchased their weapons legally, and they happen to be AR-15s. But uh, I guess semi-automatic weapons, we, we just simply can't trust people with them. You know, we just can't. And it makes a police officer's job very difficult. But is that a, is that a weapons problem or a people problem? I think it's a, a policing problem because when you look at, like, places like Uvalde, Texas, and they're shooting, if, if that shooter had a bolt-action rifle as opposed to a, a semi-automatic weapon or an AR-15, those officers probably could have rushed in there a lot sooner. But I guess it doesn't matter, you know. Yeah. All right, Johnny. Got to go. Uh Interesting thoughts. We'll talk about it when we come back. 1499 3 You're getting the 411 from PTL with Commander Jack Riggins on 1499 3 All right, we're back on a whatever Wednesday here in the uh, short little segment before we get news from Carla James. Uh, it's 91 degrees outside. It's a beautiful day today. Uh, started off talking golf, which is perfectly fine, and uh, that kind of led to... Brian and Johnny uh, talking weapons to a degree. Uh, And we'll break that down a little bit more as I've had some time to search some more. I I found a pretty good source of information. Uh, The source is the Department of Justice. I'll go over it in second segment. Um, So Johnny kind of certainly has a belief that more guns is is bad. Uh, He mentioned a, a squib round or a load. Just for everybody out there, all that is is a bad load of the ammunition or the bullet uh, that it doesn't have enough force to come out of the barrel. So it essentially gets stuck in the barrel. I don't know where he was going with that. Um, Cause he had said, you know, what about an accidental, you know, gun going off? And uh, my experience, right. Is guns that sit on tables just don't go off. It's an inanimate object, folks. It's a piece of metal, and parts, it's a little machine. They just don't go off. Um, now, do people have accidental discharges or what we called in the military an AD? Um, yes. Yes, that happens. It happens to the highest trained soldiers in the world. Um, you know, and it's not a good thing. It's, it's you know, weapons discipline. You get a little sloppy. Um, but I mean, a squib load, if you will, I mean, that's unless it somehow blows up in the barrel because you shoot another one. Um. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, 
where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, we're back. Uh, second segment here on a whatever Wednesday, July 27th. Jack Riggins hosts Drive Time. Lincoln, Johnny Cadillac, Rick Stein Recognition Hotline is open 402-479-1400, as well as the text line. Um, start off a little about golf. That was happy. Good. Now we're into guns, which is fine. I don't mind it. Brian had a little bit of a take. Johnny had a take. I thought Brian had a little bit better argument. Excuse me. I got to... <laughs> Sorry about that. Got a cough. <laughs> Should have hit the cough button, Johnny Cadillac. Yeah, well. <laughs> um, and we've got some callers lined up here in a second. So here, here's one of the things. I have been trying to find, like, of violent crimes committed, like, how many of these are illegal weapons versus legal weapons, right? Because I believe that trying to go after legal weapons purchase is not the right fix for the problem. So here's an interesting study, um, 2016, but it was published in January 2019 from the U.S. Department of Justice. So they went around and asked uh, about a quarter of a million prisoners who had (laughs) possessed a firearm during their offense, which put them in prison. Um, They went around and and got data on that. And, And I find it interesting, right? So... More than half had stolen the weapon. Let me say that again. Over half had stolen the weapon. 6% found it, the scene of the crime. So I, I don't know if that means, you know, a bunch of people gather up to go shoot each other at a crime and a gun falls down and you pick it up and grab it. Um, another... of teamed it off the underground market. Okay, that's illegal. And um, the remainder had obtained it from a family member or friend as a gift. Again, so add those numbers up. We're well into the 80% mark of not on the up and up for violent crime and legal firearms. So, 7% had purchased it under their own name from a licensed firearm dealer. There you go. So, I mean, that's the Department of Justice, folks. So what's the takeaway? The takeaway is is that shootings, wherever they're at in America, the vast majority, you're talking over 80%, at least by this data, is committed with illegal firearm transactions 
acquirement, or whatever. So to my point, attacking legal firearm purchases does nothing to solve the problem. You're not, through policy or through ideology, applying the right set of controls or fixes to solve a problem that we all clearly see. But, I mean, that's just one data point. That's a pretty good one, though, from the U.S. Department of Justice. All right, uh, we're going to say gun Richard, not Richard Star Trambus. Welcome to Drive Time Lincoln, Rich. Well, thanks. Um, I just wanted to bring up a a story. Well, this happened several years ago, but there was a town, I think it was in Georgia, DeKalb, and they required every single household to own a gun. And the result of that was crime dropped like a rock because criminals were just plain afraid. The other thing I wanted to bring up as far as accidental shootings, uh, are you familiar with the publication Human Events? I'm not. Okay, well, several years ago, they ran a story, and it showed that children there were more people that more young people, ten and under, that drowned in a bathtub than were killed by a firearm. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, I've I've kind of looked human events up now. I'm not probably not going to find that exact story, but again, part of this right is very political, and and we oftentimes my observation is. A lot of the things that, as a society, we're trying to solve, one, we're not logically thinking about what the problem is, and two, we're not looking at facts like, for instance, young people drowning in bathtubs over, say, weapons discharges, right? And so then, here we go. Again, we're trying to do things that are not going to solve the problem, may get you voted in, may cause a lot of us to argue, but we're not looking at the things we can do as a society or government to actually help with solutions. So, well, you know, your point is well taken. The, uh, well, I agree. I also agree that more, more, more armed citizens reduces crime, does not increase crime. No, I, I mean, in Again, you can go find data on everything, but the fact is there's a deterrence factor there, and I, I do believe I've heard the story down in Georgia, so to speak. But anywhere, I mean, it's just yeah. oh, it's, sure. it's it's simple human dynamics, right? As, as a criminal, if I believe that there might be you know, armed security or armed whatever, I'm less apt to do my criminal behavior. Um, yeah. Also... There's a lot of crime stopped or prevented by citizens that are legally armed. And as an example was that uh, young man in uh, the mall in, I believe it was Indiana, where he was uh, able to legally carry a concealed weapon, and he shot and stopped a guy that was trying to kill a lot of people. Yeah. So and uh, they called him a hero and uh I I think so too. So. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, good call, Richard. All right. Thank, Thank you. Thank you.
uh, different Richard than most people are used to hearing. Uh, good common sense thoughts there on guns. It's interesting. I'm. We, it looks like major news. I didn't intend for this to happen today, but uh, it says gun makers are being grilled. So combative hearing as CEOs pressed over rolling gun violence. Uh, folks, I, I don't know how to say it anymore, but we have to figure a way to understand individual responsibility and hold individuals accountable for what they do. Um, now, is there an argument to be made when, say, tobacco way back in the day maybe knew or didn't know but i think i i'm not i'm not jumping into some alternate universe when i say at some point they knew there were cancer causing agents in cigarettes and um continued to push that product so there's some liability there correct um but the individual choice to use the product, especially once it's known and there's warnings on it, is the individual choice, right? Like, I dip tobacco. I'm fully aware of the risks that that has, but I choose to do it, and that's my choice, and I have to live and deal with the consequences of that, you know, if they're negative. Um, but a gun manufacturer has absolutely zero to do with somebody either A, purchasing the gun legally and using it for a crime, or that weapon through whatever mechanism getting illegally to somebody who then uses it. The problem is the people. The problem is the criminal. And I'm just so surprised that we don't really go there. All right, uh, Jim's got some great stuff here on the text line. Uh, let me break it down here. Uh, what are your thoughts on making laws to eliminate gun-free zones in the country? Okay. Um as far as I know, most of the gun-free zones, and I could be wrong, I'm not an expert, are, are in and around schools um, or businesses. I don't know if it's legal, but some businesses post uh, no firearms you know, in, and I, I think it's uh, pretty easy you know, business-wise as a private entity to say, hey, this is kind of how we want to roll, and I, I think as a private business, that's fine. Um, with regard to the gun-free zones, Jim, and again, not being the expert, I guess my thought is this, is I don't know how much I would say, and I'm saying in an opinion, I don't think that that's a big deterrent (laughs) at all, right? So if somebody wants to create a crime or somebody wants to take weapons into a gun-free zone, it's not the signs and the knowing that it's a gun-free zone that is going to stop them. It's not a deterrent, I don't believe. And and my guess would be that gun-free zones have made it so that there's a higher level of prosecutable crime if it occurs in that area. Um, and again, I I would need uh, a lawyer or law enforcement to describe. But that is how I look at them. Um, and so I I think that it increases the crime or the liability, as as you say, 
and and that's what they do. But I don't know that they really deter anybody from doing that. On top of that, good people, right, who would pay attention to that sign and respect it, have now just disarmed themselves to a degree, which we talk a lot about on this show and the fact that, you know, the Second Amendment and everybody's right to defend themselves, um, you know, it's often going to be the law-abiding citizen that respects that. And now, at least from the old military, and I suspect the police officer dynamic, has put them at a tactical disadvantage, God forbid it happened. So I don't really think the gun-free zones do much, but that's me. That's my opinion. Again, probably good intent, um, but I don't think it solves or does what it was probably intended to do. That's kind of how I look at it right now. I mean, if you're going to go into a gun-free zone and shoot a bunch of people, you, you know, you're you're probably going to jail for life if you're caught. So, you know, I, I've never known the difference between a 500-year sentence and a 100-year sentence. But I'm not a lawyer. I just think that if you have the capability to do that, you probably should go away forever. Um, and I would be a big fan, as I've said on this show before. Um, you just get the death penalty. So we don't have to deal. I mean, come on. It's just, it's ridiculous. Um, you just cross the line of, of law and order and you're not really, um, conducive to a civil society. So that's kind of how I look at it. I think that's a great question, Jim. And, and I, I appreciate the text because there's a, there's a lot of, uh, great information in there. Um, you know, it's similar sometimes when I think about TSA having been in other countries that, from the get-go built in security and checkpoints for their airports um you know it was well thought out and it was kind of like they they designed the security first and then the airport where we know in America we've kind of had to retrograde and and there's places that obviously TSA you know we want that but there's other times where you're like you know this isn't efficient is it really helping um it's a deterrent no doubt um, but you just wonder if it's really, um, you know, having the deep impact that all the money and costs, uh, associated with are, you know, if you remember when the shoe bomber got on the plane, uh, years back, I can see his face, but I can't, you know, he had the C4 kind of in his sole of his shoes. And then all of a sudden, you know, the next day we're all. You know, for years, you know, they were then wanding your shoes and everything like that. We have to take off our shoes, um, you know. And so I'm like, if you're going to do it, do it right. Um, but we're kind of retro. So I, it's it, to me, it's effectiveness. And I don't think the gun-free zone probably is, is very effective for what it's designed to do. Steve, welcome to Drive Time Lincoln. Steve, you're on Drive Steve? Time Lincoln. How you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just listen. I love your program. First time caller. Appreciate so, it. The whole thing is uh, just, you know, I, I'm a sporting guy. Uh, ARs, they're off. I don't think you should put right the first time. 
it's a sporting rifle, any way you want to look at it. Yeah. And a high-capacity magazine just makes it more fun, you know, things like that. The people that go in and do wrong with them, it's the people. It's not the gun. Yeah. And the security of the gun-free zones, all they're doing is the advertising. That there's not going to be any line of defense there. So they go in and they do their thing. And, you know, just like suing the gun, you were talking about suing the gun manufacturers. What, are we going to do that with cars? Yeah, that, I, that was the thing I was going to go to next, which is, are we going to start suing every car manufacturer for every car accident out there? Right, right. I mean, it's just the, the arguments are so illogical that it's frustrating because nobody wants to look at the true problem, which is the people. Well, we're not dealing with logical people. I mean, look at our government. It's all about them retaining power. It's not, they're not working for us the way they should be. So that's just my yeah, personal that, opinion. Yeah. But, well, I appreciate uh, the call. Yeah, thank you. You bet, thank you. Appreciate you. Enjoy the show. Always like those um, those kind of tidbits when somebody's able to do that, because you never know. We sit here in the in the dark studio, me and Johnny. Um, but I, you know, this is a, I guess a never going away argument, and I I think a lot of people, uh, you know, if we were able to have a mass training and education session as well as competency for everyone just to understand how firearms work and to understand you know safety and and how you go about having that core competency which you know for years in America was taught by families it it changes the whole way you look at it and you realize well, it's a people problem. We have, you know, whether you want to call it evil, whether you want to call it uh, insane for a while, and that's unfortunate. But, I mean, that shouldn't surprise anybody. I mean, that's basically, since recorded history, there's been people that go do things. And it's it's why our law enforcement, even in a free society like us, needs to be well-funded and manned so that they can deter that and that they can respond to keep the citizenry safe. And then obviously in our country, we're blessed to have the second amendment where we can legally own firearms and sporting rifles or for defense. And, and if you are one of those people, I highly encourage you to understand safety and security competency of the weapons um, that you cherish. So 1499 KLIN. You're getting the 411 from DTL. With Commander Jack Riggins on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, we're finishing up a whatever Wednesday. Uh, a lot of good calls and ended up getting focused on, on gun gun violence and what are some of the facts out there. Um, again, I, I think the best way to couch the argument is to talk about violent crime with guns and how many of them are illegally attained and my hypothesis is is that we're attacking the problem from the wrong angle, focusing on legal gun ownership or the manufacturers of guns. Uh, Brian, I hope he'll call back. He had some good thoughts. I, I would love to hear more of how a liberal left Democratic, I, I think he said economy, uh, tends to be better. Um, 
So maybe he'll call back later with that. Interesting enough, another caller was talking about, you know, we're not talking with fair and balanced people. Probably he didn't say it directly, but he's talking about far left or liberals. And it never surprises me. You know, my sources out there always have things. But, uh, you know, the, the the county commission, right, they appoint the the county chairs for the county fair, right? It's a Democrat controlled as you know well i mean now jane raybould's going out there to judge you know chili feed and cinnabons or whatever i mean you you can't do that i mean i know you're trying to do that because you're trying to hook up your candidate but you can't be a candidate and do those things uh you can't that's just silly i mean it just it never ceases to amaze me how democrats wordsmith things how they push the rules how they have backups to backups to justify behavior that makes no sense it doesn't help anybody um tomorrow we'll have NEGOP chairman eric underwood on um friday we're going to have the branch oak observatory folks on as well as i think matt innes to talk about this very thing of candidates and what they can and can't do and how the little dirty tricks are played out there um so we'll roll with that have a great rest of your night 1499.3 KLIN